Doeg, Doeg, <laughs> the Edomite, he, he, he ratted on David, told Saul where David was at when David was being pursued. And, uh, and this was what you know, the Lord gave David concerning this man. Uh, it says, Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor working deceitfully. You love evil more than good, lying rather than speaking righteousness. You love all devouring words, you deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy you forever. He shall take you away and pluck you out of your dwelling place and uproot you from the land of the living. Selah. That's a pause. I missed the first one. The righteous also shall see that and fear, and shall laugh at him, saying, Here is a man who did not make God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches, and strengthened himself in wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever, and I will praise you forever, because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name, for it is good. That's wonderful, isn't it? What the Lord was showing me also, not only is He reaping righteous souls out of the earth, God is going after fullness, this evil that's come to a fullness. Like, for instance, Saddam Hussein, that was an evil that had come to fullness. And the Lord is the one who really captured that man. I felt sorry for him when I saw him on TV. I didn't feel like I glowed in, like, oh, look what we did. And I felt sorry for the man. I thought, Lord, I mean, I prayed for him. God, save him. Have mercy on him. He needs the blood as much as anybody does and deserves it as much as we all do. Uh, but I wanna t- I'm here to tell you something. I'm here to tell you this morning. There is a fullness in the earth, and the reaper is here. And this way this applies to us personally. If we have come into some fullness in our life, both spiritual fullness in a, in a positive sense or, or carnal stuff in a, in a negative sense, God is going to reap it. You understand what I'm saying? He's coming for it because the reaper has been released into the earth to reap things that are full. And I think it's a, it's a warning from the Lord. Number one, it's, it's, it's a warning for, for us to see this is the ultimate end of every man who does not trust God. And there are going to be other men that are going to rise up that are going to be just as wicked and more that will be in power and do things. Okay? But their end is this. And that's part of what God wants to tell the church today. That's their end. Just like his end came. He got captured, totally humiliated and humbled, a defeated man, you know, once he was, he was proud and powerful. And the Lord wants us to see, number one, in the future, when evil men rise up in power, that's their future. That is their future, ultimately. They're going to come down. God is going to bring them down. Okay? And God wants the church, the people of God, to know that, to comfort us, to get us through those days. We better pay attention. We better pay attention because the world will continually get more evil. This is just one evil man that has been taken out. There's many more behind him waiting in line to do more evil, worse evil. We need to pay attention. But also on a personal level, we need to apply to our lives that as, as he came down, God is bringing down every fleshly thing that has come to fullness. And if you have come to a place in your life where there's things in your life that are not right and has not been right for years, it's time that God's going to deal with it. And the best way for you to, and you and God to deal with it is for you to get before the Lord and allow the Lord to deal with it instead of the Lord having to force His way into your life to do it. You got that? And I believe what I'm saying is true. I want you to hear me. 
I want you to hear me and take it serious because there's a lot of backslidden, half-hearted Christians around that's been like that for a while, and it's like God's saying, well, you know, maybe time now. They've come, they've come to full cycle. It's come, the fruit's come up now. It's time to go get the fruit and deal with it. And I just want to just warn, I really want to warn some of you guys in here. Uh, you know, some of the stuff that's been going on in your life, maybe some of the secret sin and stuff, it's time, time to bring that stuff to an end. It really is. Because that, I saw the Lord, He was like a raider. And He was raiding and He was reaping both the, the good things that He had planted in the earth and the bad things that had been planted. He was taking care of them. He was dealing with them. And I just want to just say one more time, that picture of Saddam Hussein is a very prophetic picture for us. And we need to pay attention to what's going on. We need to pay real attention, but we need to apply it to our own hearts. Are we, do we have some Saddam Hussein in us? You know, it's what Mary, Mary Stephen felt like the Lord was showing her. A lot of Christians are just like that. They've dug their hole down in the basement, and they're hiding down there. But God's sending somebody down there to dig them out, to get them out, to root them out. And if you're one of those people that are hiding something in your life, and you've got hidden things, and you've dug in down there, God has got some raiders that are coming. They're going to search you out. They're going to sniff you out sooner or later. And you're coming out of there. And the best way to come out is just come on out right now. Lord, I'm out of here. You know, I don't want to be in here no more. Because the Lord is, is certainly merciful, and He's not coming to judge Christians. He's, come, he's coming to uh, set us free and, and bless us. But, you know, one of the things that the Bible does say about the last days, judgment begins at the household of God. Before He judges this world, He's going to judge His people. Amen? And this is meant to be an exhortation. I hope, hope you take it that way. Uh, it's serious. So Matthew Dow is going to come do some announcements and really make you feel good. <laughs> Oh, good. That's just the thing I wanted to do next. Well, good morning. We'd just like to welcome all of our guests that we have with us this morning. If you've never been here before, hello. I hope you feel welcome. And uh, just get a few items of business out of the way here. First of all, this Friday night is our annual Christmas party slash dinner slash get-together slash fellowship time. So, Bunny Linker. She's going to come forward and tell us all of the details. Let's give Bunny a big hand. I hope you're all uh, preparing to come Friday night to our Christmas party. We always have a wonderful time. There's always lots of good food, and there's always lots of good, uh, I hesitate to say talent, but, but it is talent, because you don't have to be talented to perform for our Christmas party, and we really enjoy the people who participate in that. So anyway, that's coming up Friday night at 7 o'clock. It's going to start at 7, so you need to come earlier to get in your seat so you can see, because we're going to have some wonderful um, performances, if you want to call it that, and um, I hope you will come and enjoy that. Afterwards, we will have some wonderful refreshments, which you are going to provide. So I want everybody to bring two hors d'oeuvres of some sort that you don't have to use forks to eat. Now, we call this finger foods. So bring something that you can, you can share with everybody, and we'll put it on a table back there, and we'll, so we'll have some good eats. Okay? Uh, and do plan to come. Thank you, Bunny. 7 p.m. 7 p.m. on Friday night. 
Um, on Wednesday, our youth ministry will meet back here in the back building for the last time of the year. And uh, so don't forget, that's at 6.30. And um, also, our calendars are here. A few of the teenagers have been selling these calendars. So the people, guys who are selling them, come see me afterwards to get them to hand out to the people that have purchased them. And also, I will be out in the foyer selling extra calendars, $8 a piece. These are beautiful calendars, everybody. They're great to give out for your uh, Christmas presents. See some nice winter scenes here in January. Only $8. And uh, so if you would like to get some of these for last-minute Christmas items, see me out in the foyer afterwards, and I'll be happy to help you make that purchase. Um, some other things since, yeah, on Wednesday nights, it's 6.30. Yeah, correct that, Brian. <laughs> Just kidding. 6.30 to 9. Thank you. Um, and since we don't have a bulletin this morning, our Thursday night, the worship team B will practice this Thursday night at 7.30. At the change, just... Yeah, just bear with it, whatever. Oh, good. Dave and Lisa Lunsford. Hey, guys. Good to have you home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's on Thursday night also. All right, and um, personal prophetic team will be offering prophetic ministry today in the back building. That's back here. So see uh, Victoria. Where is she at? There you are. See Victoria if you're interested in that. And um, I think that's it except for we're going to take up our tithes and offerings and... uh, Where's Allison at? Oh, and the children. Let's go ahead and dismiss the children. And then our uh, our ushers can come forward while the children are being ushered out. And uh, is Allison in here? There you are. Do you have something to say? Byron said you had an announcement. Okay, but I'm going to let you do it during the offering, okay? So... Lord, we ask you to bless the children as they're going, Lord. Thank you that they're a heritage from you, Lord. And we just ask you to just fall on them, Lord, and show them yourself in a real and a powerful way this morning back there. And God, we ask you to bless this offering. May it just honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Allison. Hey, um, I'm going to Poland tomorrow to visit Arthur and Joanna for Christmas, and I talked to them this morning. They wanted me to send their greetings and say hello, and they miss you, and they are waiting for their paperwork to come back. Um, Hopefully, they'll be back by next October, so this is their last Christmas in Poland, hopefully. So um, they wanted me to send their greetings, and um, that's that's really it. Oh, and if you can pray for me while I'm there and all that good stuff. Yeah, let's pray for So... You guys want to just extend your hands out here. and Lord, we just ask you to um, just go with Allison, Lord, and just let these hands take blessings with her 
to Arthur and Joanna, Lord. And we just ask you to keep her safe as she's traveling, just surround her with angels, Lord. And I just pray that she would have a great time, Lord, and that you would, t- you would um, help her to take a spirit of encouragement over there, Lord, and that you would just bless her. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. The Lord's good, isn't he? Amen. I'm excited about the Lord. Yeah. Because the Lord's doing things, and we need to be excited when God does stuff. Um, if you want to turn to your Bibles, uh, that was interesting. Matthew read that prayer, Paul, because I was going to talk to you this morning about that. Exact scriptures that he read. I just really want to encourage everybody right now. God really is available. He really is available. He's, of course, God's always available, but there's just times when he, he seems more available than other times. And I feel like now's the time uh, for us to really get a hold of the Lord. And uh, I want to just read, I'm going to read this again. Uh, I'm going to read verse four, Ephesians 3, verse 14. I'm going to go through not 21, though. It's so, so good. It says, For this reason, this is a prayer. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and granted in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, or which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in who? In us. To Him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's a great prayer in the Bible, isn't it? That's a powerful prayer. Well, remember a couple of weeks ago I talked to you about crafted prayer. And there was a couple of prayers in the Bible that I felt like the Lord had shown me uh, that were real important prayers. One of them being the other other one in Ephesians, Ephesians 1. And... Uh, 1, 15 through 19, and I shared five things out of that prayer uh, just, just to remind you that Paul brings out in that, that one prayer in Ephesians 1, 15 through 19. And those things are thankfulness, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the surety of God's call in our lives, and the value of God's inheritance in us, and God's power available for us. Those were like five things that Paul prayed in that first prayer in Ephesians towards the believing uh, Christians at, at, at the church at Ephesus. Um, and I really encourage people to take that prayer and start praying that prayer. And I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I will guarantee you this. Okay, if you will pray that prayer, you God will start doing stuff in your life. And God will start speaking to you about things in your life. Okay, I promise you He will. In fact, if I was a gambling man, I would stake the house on it. You know, because it's a prayer in the Bible and it's a prayer that works. And I have had God really speaking on lots of things because I begin to pray these prayers. And, that, and that's not just going through and just, you know, praying. I'm talking about really praying it. Put your words on that prayer. Amen? All right. All right. This prayer also, this is the second one. There's some, some principles in this prayer. 
And these principles are these things. Number one, the dwelling place of God, the lordship of Christ, and our spiritual heritage, and God's love towards us. And I'm not going to try to cover all of them today because I don't feel like I really don't want to rush. So the first thing I want to look at is verse 4. Let's read verse 14 and 15. Uh, are you all with me this morning? For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Well, first of all, God uses, or Paul uses two words in this, these two verses that we normally associate with the home, right? Meaning father and family. Those, so, those words are connected with, with home, right? Everybody, y'all with me? Father and home. We don't, our father and family, our father and family, these are not words you necessarily use outside the home very much. Now, here's what I want to do. I want us to read uh, Ephesians 2, verse 19 and 22. And I'm going to, I want to take you down this little road here for a, for a minute, okay, and, and show you something I believe that's very important, that God wants to speak to you as an individual. Now, therefore, this is verse 19, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of what? The household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That's, that's pretty, pretty significant. We're being built together for a dwelling place or for a home of God. That's, that's what Paul was, is saying there. That's, that's what the, the purpose of the church is to be a home. For God. That's one of, the, one, of the, one of the purposes. Now, in the natural realm, there's lots of buildings, right? This is a building, a specific type of building. It's, this is a church building. This is not the church. You know, there's office buildings. There are gas station buildings. Okay? But the most important building, of course, is what? It's a home. That's the most important building there is. It's a house or whatever it, that home may be, cardboard box maybe for somebody, okay, a shack for somebody, maybe a tree house for somebody in, in a, in a, that lives in the jungle. But nevertheless, if it's a home, that's the most important building on the face of the earth is, is the home, okay? And it's, it's the place where people live. And so, so the church is called to be a house for God. Now, what is a home or a home for God? A home... A home is supposed to be a place where you can be comfortable being who you are, being your truest self. Is that right? It's the only place that we should be able to go that we can just really let our hair hang down and be what we really are. Is that true? That's what it's supposed to be. Now, I know a lot of dysfunctional homes, you can't really be yourself, okay, because maybe, you know, the parents won't allow it or whatever. But I can promise you, my house, if you really want to know who I really am, come over to my house. And spy in there, and you'll see me as I really am, because that's when I'm there. I'm that's what I'm doing. I'm being my true self, good or bad. You know, it is where you belong, and those around you not only have expectations. See, there's an expectation, right? We have expectations of people in the home. You know, they don't always work. I have an expectation for Philip to roll the garbage out once a week. <laughs> it doesn't seem to work. I can write him notes. I can call him, but I forgot. <laughs> but 
But we do have expectations of each other in the home, okay? But we're also glad for the presence of those who belong to the home. We're glad they're there, and we want them to feel comfortable, right? That's, that's really what, what's supposed to be happening in the home, is we're glad when all the members of the home, all the members of the household are there. It's a fun time. That's why holidays are good. It's when we can gather our whole family together, and everybody can be at home together, and we want them to be comfortable. We want them, you know, to feel like they, they belong there. That's, that's really, is that right? Is that a good description of what home is? Okay. All right. If the church is to be built into a home for God, we have to ask us a question. I'm talking about this church right here. Is our church a place where God can be at home? Can God be His truest self here? Can He? I mean, that's a question we really need to ask ourselves. Or is, is what we're doing here, can God come here and be at home? Now, that's a pretty hard question to ask, ask okay? Is He at home here or is He just a guest here? Because a guest doesn't have the same rights in a home, so to speak, as the people who live there. In other words, if I go to your house, I can't do what I do at home. Y'all would get infuriated at me, you know, after a while. So is God, is God at home here or is, he, or is God a guest here? I mean, that's really a question. It really is He. Ask the question, are you at home here, God? Is this your home? I mean, Paul said we would be built into a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. Are you at home here, Lord? Okay. Also... Ephesians 2.22, that little also word. Uh, in whom you also are being built together. Okay, now the word also means this, all right? He talked about two dwelling places there. Okay? In verse 21, he talked about a temple. Okay, so he talks about a temple and talks about a home. Two, two different things, right? Y'all with me? And this is what I believe. The church will never be a true temple of God if it's not the home of God. It'll never be the true temple of God. Now, what's the temple? In the Bible, the temple is a place where God is worshipped and served. It's the place He manifests Himself unto the people, the place the people offered up spiritual sacrifices to God, and the place that God dispensed His blessings and favors. Now, that's really, when you read the Bible, that's what the Bible describes as the temple of God. Now, here's the problem, okay? We've tried to make church the temple without it being a home for God. We tried to make the church a place where God is worshipped and served, okay? We want the church to be a place where God manifests Himself to us, okay? We want the church to be a place where we give our tithes and offerings there. We serve God there, okay? We want God to bless us there and do things for us there. But we've tried to do that without God ever being at home there. And I don't believe it's working. I believe that's one of the reasons the church in America is in such a fix. is because we've tried to be something without being the most important thing. We've tried to be this temple. We've tried to be this place of worship. We've tried to be this place where God can be served and God can, can bless people, but we've never allowed God to be at home in the church. And I don't think it's going to ever work that way because, because it, you know, biblically it can't work. Okay, now let's take this truth, that what I've just told you, everything about the church, okay, what I just described to you about the church, and let's take it, step it back one level. Now this... I've been talking about the church. Now we're going to talk about you as an individual. Okay? Let's take it back to the most fundamental level. Are you all with me? Let's read uh, over in um, verse 16. Okay? 
of Ephesians 3, that what part of Paul's prayer, it says that that God would, or that He, God, would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. That's part of Paul's prayer. Now, Paul's praying for the individual right now. He's not talking about the church. He's talking about the individual, okay? Talking about the individual members of the church, which make up the church. So, so first of all, he prayed that it would be strengthened. Now, this is important that you hear this, okay? If there was an important two verses in the Bible that I think God's really been trying to speak to us for a while, it's these two verses, verses 16 and 17. Strengthen means this, to rule, to conquer, to take the upper hand. That's what that literally, when Paul was praying it, he want, when he was saying that, he wasn't saying, I pray you be strengthened. He was saying, I pray that Christ would rule and conquer and take the upper hand. Okay? Y'all with me? Might. Okay, that's a word that's used all through the Bible. Everybody knows that word, dunamis, dynamo, dynamic, power. Okay? That's, that's the cool one, right? It's translated power. All right? So Paul prayed this. I pray that Jesus would rule, conquer, take the upper hand, okay, with power through His Spirit in your inner man. Okay? And your inner man is your soul. That's what he's talking about. Your soul. In other words, Paul was saying this, Okay? And well, let me just say this about the soul. The soul, just for everybody who don't really understand what your soul is, the soul is really who you are. It's your truest self. It's really the real you. In other words, when, when you die, your body's going to die, but your soul is going to stay alive. The real you. And everything that you are is going to stay alive. Everything that you are is going to be alive, and it's going to be somewhere. Hopefully it's going to be with the Lord. Okay? It really is our true self. And I will talk a little bit more about that in a minute. So here's what Paul was saying. I'm praying that yourself would be, gut, would be conquered and governed by the Holy Spirit. That yourself, you, who you really are, Paul was saying, I pray that, listen, let's just get down and dirty. I pray the Holy Spirit would come in, in, into your soul and just beat the fire out of you. Just whip you. Stomp you. Stand on top of you, show you that he's more powerful than you, and put his foot on your chest and say, who's in charge? I, that's what Paul was praying. I pray the Holy Spirit would do that to you. That he would go after you and tear you out of your frame. That's, you know, the street version, you know, of what God wants to do in every person in this room, in their soul. All right, let's, let's go on a little bit. Let's read verse 17, 17a, because it's very important we understand that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ may dwell. Dwell is what? Live at home, right? Did you get that? Christ may dwell in your heart. Now, heart here, and I want you to try to understand, you can't ultimately divide your soul out, okay? You, you really can't. But heart is, is a dimension of your soul realm, Okay? Basically, your soul rim is made up of your heart and your mind. I mean, basically. Uh, the heart is the seat of affections, desires, feelings, passions, appetites, motives, thoughts, intentions, 
your courage, your creativity. It is the seat of who you really are. In other words, it's the seat of your soul. It's the very essence of who you are. It is the very essence of your truest self. That's what the heart is. Versus your mind. Your mind, part of your soul, is basically your reasoning dimension of your soul. And and if you look in the Bible, like, for instance, in Mark 8, when it talks about people starting to reason, they were always, when it comes to spiritual things, they were always off. The, The disciples were reasoning. It says they reasoned among themselves about the bread. They didn't have any bread, and they didn't understand. In Luke 20, it says the, the chief priests, the scribes, the elders all came to Jesus and reasoned with him. And, of course, every time somebody would reason with Jesus, he would talk right through their mind, right to their hearts, and, and speak to their hearts. Okay? You all with me? So you can believe in your mind about Christ. I know a guy who said he was a Christian for almost 20 years. Okay? One day he called me and said, I need to talk to you about something real important. And I went out and had lunch with him. You know what he told me? I just got saved. This man was an elder in the church. He thought he was saved. Because Romans 10.10 10 says, It's with the heart a man believes unto salvation. It actually says, With a man believes unto righteousness, and the mouth makes confession unto salvation. So this man, in his mind, he had accepted who Jesus, with his reason, he had accepted the claims of Christ. And he, he believed the claims of Christ in his mind, but he never believed him in his heart. And one day a light came on inside of him, and he realized, oh my gosh, I believed it up here, but I've never believed it down here. And he got saved. And he was a different person after that. And he was a hard-headed old guy. And basically, that's what the heart is. See, you are not, and I'm giving you an example of salvation, you are not truly saved unless you're saved in the heart, not the mind. Because I I remember as a child, if somebody would have told me, asked me a question about Jesus, I would have said, yeah, He was the Son of God. Yes, He hung on the cross. Yes, that's how you go to heaven. But yes, I was going to hell. Because all it was was in my brain. It was never in my heart. Are y'all with me? So, He is in everyone who opens their heart to Him, opens their self to Him. Okay? Every one of us, when we receive Christ, He comes into our heart. He comes into our lives. Okay? He comes in by our invitation, our consent. Are y'all with me? This is really good. Whose house are you? Yet, with many of us, while He's in, He's only in as a guest. He's only in as a guest. Only in as a guest. Just because Jesus is in your heart does not mean Jesus...